As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, Premier League. We look at the delights in store as the top division returns from the Merseyside derby, should that be meh seaside derby, to Nottingham Forest Luton, the game, not the Robin Hood memoir. Also today, Chelsea Arsenal, great expectations, and England playing well against better opponents in every sense. All that and more in this Totally Football Show. Thursday, the 19th of October. Don't know how that happened, listener, but here we are. I say we. Got Benji Lanyardo in today. Hey. It's a lovely, hello, Jimbo. lovely T-shirt you're wearing, Benji. Oh, thanks. It's just uh, celebrating pickfair.com for all your photography storefront needs. Boom. Uh, also with us, Duncan Alexander. Hello. Woo. And Charlie Eccleshare. Hello. Charlie has just returned with football cliches now at a new home, of course, Charlie. This is true, yeah. First yeah. week this week. Um, very exciting. Congrats, wow, congrats. It's very exciting. Thank you. All right, excellent. Oh, since we last spoke, England qualified for next year's Euros. Woo! Benji, nice to see Skamaka score a goal in London. Oh, hashtag. it was just written, wasn't it? He's, he entered into the, the pantheon of ex-West Ham strikers scoring decisive goals for Italy. Do you remember the last one? Diamante, who scored oh, the... Yeah. It, was, that, was that 20... Ooh. No, 12? 2012, 2012 well, the Hodgson yeah. World Cup. What a player, by the way. I, lo- I really loved Alessandro Diamante. And Skamaka could have been kind of of that Maybe he will. range. He's only on loan, isn't he? No, no, he sold him. They sold him. He's gone. Atalanta, I think, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's typical, what? 15 games for Italy's first goal was back at Wembley. Good goal, though. Yeah, yeah. He's a good player. Yeah. Just not really Premier League. I mean, there was Allaire mm-hmm. as well, wasn't there, who... Yeah, didn't yeah. make it at West Ham, but then they're Ooh. very comparable because they're both, I think, very good players. Will go on to be fantastic, but they're not Premier League players. Anyway, what did you say? Interesting. You don't think it's a, de- a West Ham issue? You think that's a Premier League issue? I'm sure we shoulder part of part, part <laughs> of blame. Um, but with Skim- it's just, uh, I mean, this is quite sort of esoteric. But with with um, with Skamaka, he is a much broader player than someone like say Mikel Antonio. 
Um, Not but, literally, eh? And no, kind of the inverse, actually. He's much right. skinnier. But right. he, he kind of, um, he's, he's quite expansive with his play. He drops mm. deep. He's like a sort of like worse Italian version of Harry Kane. He likes you to build up play. You overqualified for the Premier League. That's sort of what I'm saying. <laughs> overqualified for, for Moisey. Overqualified for West Ham. We are like... Right. Well, we, that, that, that's yeah, what I was yeah. really wondering about. But fascinating. I'll tell you what, we might touch on England, yeah, sure. uh, Italy later on and some of the other players who, who look good. Some of the players in England shirts. Skamaka didn't put it about enough. That's what I'm going to say for, for right. a Moyes team. Didn't okay. put it about enough. Like, look at someone like Michael Antonio, you get a lot more than just like being a striker out of him. Right. I mean, he started his career at West Ham uh, with a very troubled interview, I seem to recall. Yeah. So that put him on a bad foot. Yeah. The, um, the Albatross. Who interviewed uh, the Italy manager before that game? <laughs> Same man. Yeah. Yeah. Looked quite rainy outside during that that interview. I'm not sure if you've been outside this week, Duncan, but unprecedented uh, uh, levels of rainfall. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll touch on all those issues and more later on. But today we're mostly about the Premier League. Woo! Are you excited, Charlie? I really am, yeah. Yeah. I, I Huge matches this weekend. I have missed it. Yeah. We've got Merseyside Derby. That's the first game back. Saturday mm-hmm. lunchtime. Of course. Liverpool, mm-hmm. 12.30 after international. Five games at three o'clock. <laughs> nice. Man City taking on Brighton, which would be arguably the pick of the three o'clock ones if you could watch any of them, even though you're spending about, what, £100 a, a month for your subscriptions. The others, by the way, are Bournemouth Wolves, Brentford Burnley, Newcastle Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest against Luton at 5.30 on Saturday. You've got another derby. is Chelsea Arsenal. And then at 8, rather curiously, Sheffield United, Man United. Hmm. Uh, one game and one game alone on Sunday. You don't need any other action, really, <laughs> when it's Villa West Ham, the annual David Cameron Confusion Classico. <laughs> and on Monday, the round finishes with Spurs Fulham. Let's have a quick look at the table from Opta, because it's been a while. Let's see, Man City, as you will recall, are top. Newcastle are second. Arsenal and Chelsea rounding out the top four before the lads from Merseyside in fifth place, Everton. Hang on, what devilry is this? Why? Why, I've only gone and picked up the Opta expected points table. That's right, listener, expected points. Presumably that's what expected goals, it's goal difference of expected goals against expected goals against. If you'd scored the goals that you would expect to score in that fixture, were the points you would have got from that? Oh, it's specifically from those games. Okay. And Everton, if they'd scored the and so on, would be fifth in the table as opposed to, checks notes, 16th. But, big caveat, they have statistically had the easiest start to the season, Everton. So, Everton? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so, well, yeah, they are the biggest... If only there was an actual table we could look at. <laughs> that was sort of... There is. We don't look at it till 10 games, uh, I've been uh, told. Yeah, that's... Uh, so, two weeks to go, and then we can actually look and see oh, what's going good. on. That would be so interesting to see mm. that big reveal. Yeah. I'm going to... I'm just going to spoil it all by saying that in the actual table, Spurs and Arsenal are on 20 what? points. Yeah. Man City are third on 18... Liverpool are broke back into the top four. They're on 17 points and a point behind them are Villa and Brighton on 16. So the whole top six within four points of each other. Very exciting. Mm. Just on that, I mean, I was a bit intrigued by that expected points table. Also because they've been very kind. They've drawn little lines to show the gap between where you are and where they say you should be. And no one is further away than where they they should be than, than Everton in terms of underperforming uh, although Chelsea on the Opta expected points table should be fourth they're currently 11 I think all of this makes sense it's basically Does it? teams that are playing better than creating a lot of chances their results but, but the flip side to it is the biggest overperformers mm. 
a Tottenham Hotspur, yeah. who should be seventh, and uh, a little team called West Ham United, who should actually yeah. be fourteenth. Really, that's why you can stick your XG up your ass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah. there is a thing. I mean, you can overperform for a whole season, right? So it's yeah. not. It's not like it's this will come crashing down. It might, but a team like City, or I think Arsenal last season. Overperform their XG quite a lot. Also, I think because some... if you've got elite finishers, that's yeah. kind of what they do. Like if yeah. you have an Erling Haaland, yeah, he might outperform it yeah. over a long period. Son Heung-min's had years and years massively overperforming his XG. Hmm. Is that so, right? And also, like, yeah. luck is an absolutely normal part of winning stuff. Like yeah. if you if you are scoring more goals than your performances suggest, there's a bit of luck involved there, and that's often what luck. happens when people because football's so low scoring people forget just how much luck is important huge in yeah. like you look at when Manchester United yeah, won the treble sorry, I have to back you up what? there Duncan you can't just throw the word luck out there I mean there's so many components in there no, but I would say outperforming your XG is the definition of luck isn't it yeah. no, no it's not. not always but there is no be. luck there is there's loads there is of luck there is no luck for example I mean luck is the thing that people talk about when somebody hits the crossbar instead of Going a couple of inches lower, mm. but, that's but not e- XG is, is, is is well. No, okay, I see your point. Things that are just yeah. too complex right. for people to kind of break no, down but look, and put on a graph. Look, XG is attempting to do that. For anyone who's recently watched the David Beckham documentary, United won the spoiler. They won the treble in '99. <laughs> I, I was watching my wife. She literally didn't know. Didn't so it was it was amazing <laughs> to watch it with her last night. We watched that. She was like, "Buy and I got this in the bag." She, yeah, she, yeah. She was like, "Did United win this? Do United win this?" I was like. What do you wait and see? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Keep an eye on a certain Holly Gunnar I gave it away to her that she was already had an inkling that... I think she didn't know... She genuinely didn't know either way, but they get yeah. to that game and it's kind of like the big finale. Right. And she was just... She, she reads ahead in books, which I find extraordinary. But apparently some people do this. They'll what? read... Yeah. Because I, I what, like self spoil. Yeah, yeah. I know people that do it. It's, it's so weird. Yeah. So she was just trying to do that basically because you wanted to. I was like, well, no. Wait well, so you see. can appreciate the the moment when it happens more or. I think Have it's you just never impatience. Read the final chapter of a book. No, no. no. Do you do that? You're one of the I weirdos. I don't do it now, but when I was a kid, I did. Really? I just think Why? it's like you can't. It's like there's yeah, this force field preventing you from doing I it. I did do it for some books when I was a kid. I guess. Oh, well, definitely when I was a student. Is it so you can show? Yeah, <laughs> fine. But is it so you can sort of like show off that you know the ending? No. Or be like, this right, is so, so what predictable. Is what's the reason yes, to yourself? I, I guess I just couldn't <laughs> wait. Couldn't resist. I know where this is going. Because I read the end. Maybe seven year old Jimbo or something. Five or five. The treble, each element of the treble could have easily gone wrong. And, you know, the Bergkamp penalty, the the European Cup final, even the, but the is final But not where you trot the argument out, but over the course of a season, there isn't luck because it, it evens itself out and that's what... Le- I mean, you, certainly in a league situation, you might say, no, yes, that, in a cup you can get a bit there was lucky. A, there was a Twitter thing a few months ago, someone said, do you think the actual, the final position of... The, the Premier League table, let's say, the team that comes first was the best team, the team that comes second was the second best team, and so on. No. That, that's not the case. No. Exactly. So luck comes into it. Why is that not the case? I mean, it empirically is the case. Well, no, it's not. It kind of is. Too good to go down. Too well, no, good to finish evaluation, 11. evaluation, but what the numbers have shown is that your evaluation, well, your gut feeling was but that's I'm with, I'm with Duncan. West Ham got relegated with 42 points. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. bad luck. Yeah. It's not no, bad luck. In, in no, like, I think that's less so because you know what you're up against. Like I always find See, that when, the... when people say things like, it, they would have won the league in any other season with this amount of points. It's like, yeah, but it's a race. You know, yeah. that you know what you're up against. And I, so I, it's I, relative. I, ex- I, accept, I accept that that's, that's a weak argument. It's the same maybe with like Leicester winning the league because everyone else had a shocking season. Like that, that, was, that was fortunate circumstances. Going back to the original thing on XG, for what I understood, XG is like the guy's in this position, the goalkeeper's in this position. What is the statistical uh, likelihood uh, that, that this goes in? And, and I think I'm arguing against myself here. If they then score... 
yeah, they are, they're outperforming the expectation. All right, I, I'm going to end this debate wow. on the opposite end of, of, of where I started it. So in conclusion, luck's really important. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. There's a derby anyone. Well, mm. there's two big derbies this, this weekend. One feels a bit more dramatic than the other, and it's not Liverpool-Everton. Because how good actually is the Merseyside well, derby? On the raw numbers, it's got the most red cards of any fixture in the Premier League. It's Which got the good. most 90th-minute winning goals of any Ooh. fixture. Also yeah. good. But I do sort of think... I think there's some derbies that are good wherever they're played. I think the, the Merseyside derby is generally good at Goodison Park. Mm. It feels like that's the one. Whereas at Anfield, it tends to either be fairly comfortable for Liverpool or just quite a dreary game. Mm. Mm. Let's hope not this weekend, although it is at the uh, the 12.30 gloom slot, as it's known. I, 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 I think it could be interesting. I think Everton, <laughs> I want to go back to it. We talked about how they, they, um, they were underperforming their, their, their XG quite significantly, Everton. Mm. Um, they have looked quite good at times this season. In the last game, it sort of all came together. And, they, mm. and their, 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 their forward line was, was the forward line they probably hoped they'd have at the beginning of the season, but didn't have any of them. So Calvert-Lewin with uh, Dwight McNeil and Jack Harrison either side, like that's a decent Premier League strike force. You've got Anana and, and, and Decore in the engine room behind. Tarkovsky's a proven Premier League centre-back. Branthwaite, I think, is really good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But that's a good side. And they're be- they're, I think they've been better away from home than at home so far, Everton. So... I think there could be something in this. Liverpool's back line already besieged or beset with uh, absences, uh, losing Andy Robertson yeah. and all this fixture. Mm. And certain elements of, of social media have spotted that um, the VAR operative uh, is David Coote. The last time he did a Merseyside derby was the Van Dyke pickford ACL oh. mega I feel clash. like he's always the VAR, David Coote. He's a classic VAR far man. More, I think of him far more as a VAR than a yeah. natural yeah. Legacy VAR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Real heritage with David Coote. Um, I feel like oh. Everton are kind of the worst team to play after an international break. And this, um, I have no idea if stats back this up, but just I don't imagine they've got loads of internationals, certainly relative to a team like Liverpool, you can just picture Daishi working them extremely hard over these two weeks. It's more chance Calvert-Lewin will be fit because he hasn't played for a couple of weeks. I don't know. I, I, I think Everton is, is not a team I'd be that up for playing straight after internationals. Although traditionally there's very little jeopardy for Liverpool with this game. They've, they've lost one of the last 25 mm. Merseyside derbies. There is that. And I think that's why um, it's not like, say, the mm. North London derby because mm. there, there hasn't been that sort of nip and tuck it's, it's been so one-sided which mm. does take a bit of the edge away alright well anyway it's the first game after two weeks so I'm sure we'll all tune in later that day then you also get the other cross-town affair this time in London Chelsea-Arsenal first ever managerial meeting of Mauricio Pochettino and Mikel Arteta curiously enough are Chelsea coming good uh, three straight wins that mm-hmm. table suggests they should be their performances should have them up in fourth place. And is it now beginning to coalesce on the field as well? I mean, people that predicted they'd come second are pleased to see them slowly improve. I mean, the, you know, the underlying numbers, hello, are really good. They've Chelsea and Arsenal both, weirdly, have conceded the same, exactly the same amount of open play XG, 5.16. So Chelsea are better than the, the league table suggests. But this is going to be their toughest test so far. I mean, what that those numbers tell you about Chelsea, obviously, is they've missed a lot of chances Mm -hmm. and so I think very basic but it will come down to you know can they put some of these away and they may not get as many against an Arsenal defence that haven't conceded away from home in the league yet this season so yeah I think it's going to come down to that they're good enough they'll create a few can they stick them away and then on the other side I guess Arsenal 
Same question. It's possible this will be the first time they're able to start Jesus, Saka, Martinelli. Saka, we don't yet know. We'll find out or probably won't find out because it's Mikel Arteta tomorrow. There might be some sort of weird deception going on. But yeah, I think those those three have only played like 12 minutes or something in that wow. United game. I think if together. you're Gareth Southgate, you're a bit pissed off if Saka starts. I always find that a little bit like, well... Wouldn't it have given him a selection headache, Benji? Yeah, maybe, but but like he's still the first like first choice. Mm-hmm. He has right, played right about a million games in a row. No, I know, but if if you I think if you report for England, go home because you're injured, and then play for your start for your but club it's in two the next weeks game. Later. I th- I, yeah, and I think had yeah. he not missed the City game, then yes, you'd be annoyed with that. But fair he did point. already miss yeah, that yeah, game, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. a massive game. To be fair, yeah, you're right. You're right. Arsenal won six of the last seven meetings with Chelsea in all competitions. Uh, the expected narrative on this one, I'm going to say, is high because <laughs> you've got Kai Havertz returning to the bridge. Mm. Mm. You've also got potentially a huge game for your Declan Rices and your Eddie Nketiahs because they both played for the same Chelsea boys team and were both released by that Chelsea boys team on the same day at the age of 14. Can you imagine their little hearts, how broken oh. they were? And now they've got the chance to go back there to Sanford Bridge and ram that right back down Chelsea's throats. And Ketia scored a couple at Stamford Bridge uh, for Arsenal a couple of seasons ago as well. So mm. he, ha- he has history in doing that. How big is this game for Arsenal beyond the table and them being their level going into the round with Spurs on points? How big is the Chelsea derby? Well, it's big in the sense that for a long time... So Arsenal had this crazily good record. They didn't lose against um, Chelsea in the league from '95 till 2005. And then, but then it completely flipped. It's a bellwether fixture, isn't it, for London? It is, yeah, it is a bit. I mean, and then Chelsea completely had the upper hand and you think of Drogba just like flicking away Arsenal defenders and scoring. Diego Costa. Diego Costa then sort of took up that mantle. I mean, it really was Mourinho kind of bullying Wenger. It was Mm. that period. And that, then it was sort of a bit more up and down, but then it's flipped back to Arsenal dominating the fixture and finishing above them last season, which has been very rare since Abramovich came in. I remember being at this game. It was Wenger's thousandth game in charge yes, of Arsenal. Yes, 6-0. And it was 6-0. And the, che- the whole of the Chelsea fans were singing, Arsene Wenger, we want you to stay. Yeah. Which was a tough a tough moment for uh, the red section. I feel like Chelsea might have been the opponent that hurt Wenger and that Arsenal team the most. They felt so much just like the stronger, big bully brother that Arsenal and Wenger just could not cope with. Hmm. How the tables are turned. By the way, bellwether, do you know where that phrase comes from? No. Must be nautical something. Well, I thought maybe it was a kind of a bell that would announce that the weather was changing. <laughs> that would make sense. But it's actually not. The term derives from Middle English, bellwether. <laughs> All right, Beowulf. <laughs> which, which referred to the practice of placing a bell around the neck of the lead, weather, the male sheep. Shepherd could then note the movement of the animals by hearing the bell... When the, so it's nothing to do with weather, it's about trends. No, I, I know that the sheep are moving. It might be dark, it might be the gloaming. And, yet and the, you know, oh, yeah, I can, that's an indicator of the fact that It's an early sign of where moving. the sheep are. Yeah. The direction yeah. that the, the, the herd, herd, the flock, the herd. flock. Flock, 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 flock. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, makes sense. Boom. Thanks, James. No, not at all. I was curious. That is interesting. Because I always think that with their weather states is, is kind of where it... In, yeah, 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 yeah. in elections, yeah. Yeah, of course. They're like sheep with mm. that bell around their necks. Uh, Man City are facing Brighton in that kind of TV limbo of Saturday mid-afternoon. Uh, remember, City 
have lost their last three games in domestic competition. Can Brighton, to finish off this part, can Brighton make it four in a row? Well, Rodri's back, mm. which, yeah, those things are not coincidental. They've lost those three without him. So with him back, I would expect City to probably win, and they are on this insane home record. Yeah. Is it 21 in a row? In well, they've done 20. They've won yeah. 20. And if they do Brighton, that will be a new record in the Premier League era. Mm. Probably people didn't even make notes of home wins in a row before They that. didn't even understand what a home game was. <laughs> okay. Just listen out to the telling. Hell yeah. Uh, well, Brighton themselves, to add you know, fuel to your argument, no wins in four before the break. None. They lost Chelsea and then Villa, and then they drew with Marseille and Liverpool. Although I guess they showed a certain amount of character in both those uh, ties. I mean, it's also something with Brighton that, you know, Deserby's been there for more than a year. Mm. And their average, they, on average, there are four goals, around four goals in their games. Mm. I and mean, that is incredible entertainment they've conceded more goals than Luton yeah this season yeah yeah yeah. Liam Tharm of of The Athletic has obviously invested as a Brighton fan but he's written a piece this week comparing um, Guardiola and and Deserby and there's there's a slight Brighton concern about just how open and porous they are it's not you know because there's obviously been talk of Deserby being one of the candidates to replace Guardiola when he eventually leaves and Mm. You know, City have gone. City have become an incredibly good defensive mm-hmm. team, and Brighton, as Benji points out, probably one of the weakest defensive teams in the league. Now that's sort of okay because Deserbi's policy is we'll just score more than the opposition, but you don't win much doing that. I mean, that's partly because of his tactics, but it's also partly fruit of selling players like Casado off, which wasn't, I imagine, his tactical decision. True, but if it did happen a bit City, last season be... as well. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is a good point, though. Yeah, you're right. That City aren't <laughs> selling off. Having to regenerate constantly. Yeah, right. Mm. Um, Pep himself described as Zerbi as one of the most influential coaches of the last 20 years. But then Pep does stuff like that. <laughs> very Pep, isn't it? So yeah. good. Uh, Erling Haaland has had one shot in his last two Premier League matches. He yeah. didn't score, of course, for Norway in their crucial Euro qualifier. So, there's been a few weird things with Haaland recently. Yeah. These, these might be isolated incidents or you know, a chain of events. Do you remember like, so the, the City game where Saliba just like bounced mm. him onto the floor? Like that's very that's like not your classic imperious Haaland challenge. The the um and was, did you see did you see the um picture of Haaland with the seven foot six Senegalese basketball player? Have you seen this? Um, this is after I think a Champions League game, and there's this gigantic basketball player in the in the uh, in the <laughs> in the changing room after the game. And first of all, obviously, he makes Haaland look tiny. Uh, but that, that was not the thing that drew my eye. It was the fact that Harlan's Harlan was topless. Jesus. But okay, James, look at Harlan's stomach. It's completely flat. Well, he's, it looks like he's sucking he's in his concave. But listen, you know the okay. whole the hallmark of the of the modern professional football footballer is like extraordinary core strength. You know, we've there's been a lot of talk about asses in the previous week with with mm. with um, Eden Hazard retiring. Mm. You know, McGinn's the current flag bearer. Like, and if it's not your ass, it's your it's your it's your six pack. And Har- basically, Harlan- I think he's leaning it. That looks like he's leaning it. I he's breathing I, in. I, I yeah. think Harlan's. I think his dad, who makes him lasagna before every game, right, has changed the recipe. I think so. And t- and and he's lost strength. He's getting bullied by Saliba until he sorts that lasagna out. I I don't think Harlan's ever going to score again. My bechamel hell by Erling. Haaland. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing with Harlan, just yes. to, and this possibly only interests me in the entire country, but. He's on 44 goals in the Premier League overall. 
Mm. He's on nine offsides. Now, I want him to reach 50 goals before ever reaching double figures for offsides because that is pretty unusual for a centre-forward. Is that unusual? What's the sort of normal I mean, ratio? It depends on the style of play. Obviously, a, a Pippo Inzaghi would be... Sure, you know, born offside. <laughs> yeah. And Alvaro Morata, what would he be? In it, I mean, just thousands. But it is, I mean, even on, you you know, bigger centre-forwards will get off, caught offside less, but this is, like, unusual. I guess those City, it's quite hard to be caught offside against because the, the defences they're up against, against must against be so them, deep. Yeah, but it is just, you know... Good point. It, bizarre. He, he's never offside. Well, nine times. Okay. Well. I mean, clearly there's not an issue with him, lasagna <laughs> notwithstanding, because he's early hold and he will finish the season with well, probably 30-odd goals. One, but probably. I saw probably. someone had put Erling Haaland's lost his scoring touch. He's got eight goals in eight games. <laughs> I mean... Another, but another um, vaguely relevant curio from this game. So mm. um, Rashford in the week, by scoring against Italy, he moved into third in the list of... Goal scorers among currently playing England players. So you've obviously got Kane on 60-odd. Mm. Two is... Two is um, uh, Sterling. Sterling, correct. Three is now Rashford. He's on 17 goals. Who did he leapfrog? It's relevant to this game. Who did he leapfrog on 16 goals? James Milner? Nope. Currently, he's not currently in the England squad, but he's English and currently playing. And he plays for either Brighton or yeah. City. This blew my mind. Danny Welbeck. It's Danny Welbeck. Wow, yeah. Danny Welbeck scored 16 goals. He for did score England. quite a few I can for England. Remember a good one little, of them. Yeah. Like the, Sweden. the one against Sweden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But name another Danny Welbeck goal for... Away at... Was it Switzerland? Oh, it's, it's not easy, is 2014 it? at the start of that Euros qualification he's, campaign. He scored like 16 goals for England. I mean... Pretty amazing. In, the England YouTube channel has got Danny Welbeck's top five goals. So, you know, that's I, I, fair play. I, if number one isn't, isn't the Sweden goal, then... Yeah, the Sweden it goal will isn't be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it will be. Just on the offside point as well, Duncan, I do think the... Like Harry Kane, one of the things I noticed from watching him closely is he was so rarely offside. And I mm. do think like the be, the very best mm. are just so smart with their movement. Like, when, like whenever Harry Kane scores... Can't really judge offsides at Spurs, though, can you? So... Uh... Well, yes, that is true. <laughs> but yeah, whenever he scored, I wouldn't have the same VAR anxiety because I kind of just trust that he he just mm. he sort of knows. And I do wonder if Haaland has that same elite mm. intelligence. Is this going to be an absolutely terrific game, by the way? It should be good. It's hard to see how it won't be a lot of fun, yeah. And a lot of goals as well. And a lot of goals, yeah. Thank God we can't watch it. <laughs> I mean, they are saying they, their games average around four goals. I, th I think this fixture was 3-1 last season to City, right. and I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like that. Well, the last time year. they took on... Uh, Aston Villa played a different kind of football, mm. but the last time they went away to somebody was the trip to Villa when they shipped six. Mm. I mean, it's going to be a fascinating weekend. All the title rivals involved in exciting fixtures, with the possible exception of... Spurs' clash with Fulham, which you have to wait till Monday for Fulham look like more comfortable opponents. Spurs got a very odd week next week. They play Monday and Friday, yeah. which is uh, very rare. Really? It's like big club, not in Europe at all, Claxon. Uh, mm. so. Intriguing. We'll touch on that game perhaps a little bit later on. But next up, how about we have a quick chat about events Tuesday at Wembley. Football is bigger and more complicated than ever before. Just ask VAR. Check up, Blake. It's fine. Perfect. So the Daily Football Briefing is here to help, whether it's the World Cup. It's a kind of face-saving, everyone's happy, no one's a loser. Lionel Messi. As they say, he completed football. Or Manchester United. I mean, the performances all season have been questionable. That are making you quizzical. The Daily Football Briefing has all the answers you need for every football story that matters. And it does exactly what the name suggests. It's daily. It's brief. 
and it's all about football. The Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic, available wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Tuesday saw England facing Italy again at Wembley Stadium, a rematch, of course, of the Euro final from 2021. Couldn't have been a more different encounter, eh? This time, 3-1 to the three Lions. So compared to that game, 2021, what was the difference? Has Southgate evolved or was it simply Jude Bellingham? I mean, I think that's a massive <laughs> part of it. The, the, um, the thing that is, two things about Bellingham that may be quite obvious, but I find so exciting is that, first of all, he is this like dynamic threat through the middle. Like England haven't actually had that for a long time. Maybe not since like, Gerard and Lampard, like we have been a team that plays that plays with with two wingers and feeds Kane or Kane dropping deep. So to have like that double threat of Kane and Bellingham through the middle is something really new, and it also means the double pivot, two defensive midfielders, now makes sense because that always felt like a sort of solution looking for a problem. But if you're going to have, a, you know, there were times in that game against Italy we were playing essentially four two four, and you can't really accuse Southgate of being cautious and defensive. You're playing four two four, so. Yeah, I think this this was very different to that Euro final because we were so aggressive and ambitious. And I think Bellingham demands that. So yeah, I think he's a huge part of the difference now. Do you think England will continue to play a 4-2-4 or 4-2-3-1? This is the team now. I think the team we saw, bar Saka instead of Foden, that will be our like prime starting lineup in, in, in the Euros. And I think you just sort of have to accept it now. Even the even the Calvin Phillips thing. I mean, I think you should play Conor Gallagher there instead of Phillips, which is probably a niche opinion. Mm. But ideally, if everyone is fit, you'd probably have Luke Shaw and yes. and Reese James, right? Mm, I'd still go Kyle Walker. Uh, sorry, I'd, yeah, actually, you're probably right. So yeah, apart from the fullbacks, that mm. the rest of the team, I think, is now pretty much set. Remarkable. I mean, it is a big change. If you think back to that final, England were still playing with three centre-backs and then two holding midfielders. And Mason Mount as one of the front three, who's a kind, you know, he's a very intelligent, hard work. He's not the kind of 
outright threat that you get from like a Saka or Foden, someone like that. So it was a, a far more conservative team that England had back then. I mean, I, I just can't remember a player coming through. I, mean, I know everyone said about Bellingham, but like he's still only 20. He he just is a leader, but he can play. He's, he's like five players in one. Well, it's funny, Gazetta this morning, they do this big breakdown. You know the Da Vinci Vitruvian man mm. thing? Yeah. Where you got the man spread out, and they, they have, and it's Bellingham, and they each of his limbs, and kind of they find a fifth one as well. But anyway, <laughs> um, he, they they point to like a characteristic of some great attacking midfield mm. threat of the past. So they've got the speed with the ball, progressing with the ball of Kaká. They've got the the feline threat of goal of Henri, who certainly in Italy was more of the attacking midfielder of reliance. They've got the strength and power of Rijkaard. The vision of Kevin De Bruyne, the dominance of Yaya Toure. It's like the. They uh, just said Toure. I think it's Yaya. They mean sorry. Okay. It's like the former cartoon Brave Star. You know, strength of the bear, speed of the puma. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I do already think with him. I was thinking maybe Wayne Rooney, but in my lifetime, I can't remember a player playing for England and being this good for England and making me think. Would, so would you much. go back to Gaza? He's a little. But I guess the Euro '96. I saw Gaza. Yeah, but, but he. When, Okay, so that was before you, but 1990 when, when Gaza came through and so, holy so, cow, we've got a player like that. But did, yeah. I can remember the build-up to the, the friendlies before World Cup 90 mm. and Bobby Rawson still wasn't sold on Gaza. He was 23 by this point, so it wasn't, you know, but he just dominated those games in the way, you know, came in and it was just, there was no way that England couldn't play him because he was just so vivacious and, and yeah, just good. It was similar with super early Wayne Rooney. Yeah, Rooney's the only one I can think of. Yeah, when he came, has when he, he scored that, that turkey game that turkey, as well. Yeah. Was like, and he was still 17, I think, at the time. Turkey game one, yeah. And then the, that Euro 2004 and had he stayed fit, obviously England might well have won it. But I, I, I can't remember that same Lucky feeling game. of... Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, a tournament like that, I think that's, that is a really good example. Greece, were they the best team at that Euros? But I would still yeah, say they, they deserved it. it. They won it. Um, but I do think England were unlucky with that injury. But I, I can't remember the feeling like with Bellingham of like, and call this jingoistic, whatever. I do feel like if he's fit with this England team... I don't think it's crazy to say Go they, say, say, say they should win the Euros. There they you go. He's absolutely that right. I agree. He's, he's just at that level. But, uh, I mean, having said that, there's an amazing France team. There out is. There. Yeah, yeah, there are. School yeah. looking insane at the moment but, as well. And a lot of things can happen. But to Benji's point a minute ago. But they should certainly be considered real cats. Yeah. Bellingham's so good, you can no longer just concentrate on stopping the wide threat. You know, let's, let's double mm -hmm. mark your Rashford and Saka. Mm. You can't do that anymore. So they get more freedom. We saw that against Italy as well. You know, yeah, I, the one thing I would point, say yeah. is that, that that Italy defense is anything but yeah, impenetrable. Yeah, it was subprime. But also sub, subprime Italy defense. What, who, who was it that Kane? Kane? Yeah. Well, listen, I'm, like, it's kind of t someone was talking earlier about Kane's intelligence. But two things happened in that goal. Like, it was Kane being like characteristically clever mm. and making the most of the fact because you know Kane is not fast and yet he ran for more or less the halfway line and beat the whole Italian defence <laughs> who was the, like, the defender uh, it was it was in Bastoni I it, was think. Bastoni, it was Bastoni yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, poor old Bastoni was made to look pretty and he's, a good, he's actually a good player I know he's alright but he, he's, he's not of the calibre of you know the last 20 years of Italian centre-backs Kane is yeah. Kane is so smart that like that that touch before the shot it was like crystallizes how brilliant yeah. he is because well, it's like either, either either I get a clean shot or, or it's a penalty. Exactly, and even the way he put because the Donnarumma guesses where he's going to put it, but he just he just gives it a little bit of height 
Yeah, it was such a good finish. So smart. Kane's such a big NFL fan. It was like someone running in and holding Mm. up someone. I thought, by the way, Rashford, because that's one of the question marks, I guess, is Rashford versus Grealish on the left, right? And I think Rashford showed why it's it's kind of got to be him, I think, because I find Rashford really frustrating to watch. Like, he doesn't hug the touchline like Grealish does. He doesn't pass when he should do, like like Grealish, you know, peppified Grealish now does. But he's just got a bit of that X factor where he can score like quite impressive goals mm. and turn games. I mean, he did against Wales with the free kick. Yeah. I, th- I think he's probably shown that that is his place because Grealish doesn't do that. Grealish doesn't change games with goals. Yeah, I think I think that is his position. I mean, the way do this weekend, of course. Could do. Mm. In- I mean, England doesn't score much Grealish though, really, does no, he? No, not since not since Pep's got hold of it. Yeah. But I mean, the thing with this England team, basically, there's been such a trend this summer for just you know dropping 100 million on central midfielders. If England, you know, you mentioned there Gallagher, there's Phillips. They don't have if they had an. That's the one thing they're missing is another really, really good central midfielder to play alongside Rice. Or the other thing they Alexander could do Arnold. is well, yeah, Trent. Or they do which they wouldn't do, but do what. City, Arsenal do is play Rice as a lone pivot and then have Stones. two eights. Then that, and then, or you could have Phil Foden move him yeah. back. But that, you just can't play him, do that. Bellingham back. You need, you, you need, you, that, that's the point now. Bellingham has got, to, he can just completely just give him freedom to do whatever that he wants. Space. Do yeah. whatever you want. Don't share it with anybody. That is your space. Go and dominate it. We've got two lads behind you that are sorting out all, all, all the tricky stuff. And by the way, and, and the, as you say, like, it's very hard to justify that being Calvin Phillips, however good we think he is. Mm. I think, and Conor Gallagher is playing in that position for Chelsea, captaining them, playing really well. I think by the time we get to the summer, it should be him. All right. Well, everyone's very excited about England's prospects in the summer because they're doing brilliantly in qualifying. And there's never been a time before when they've done brilliantly in qualifying and then failed to do it <laughs> at the tournament after. England have lost two of their last 72 World Cup or Euro qualifiers. Of course, under Southgate, for all the knocking he takes... Tournament results, if not necessarily performance, the tournament results have been you know, more reflective of the build-up that came before mm. as build-ups generally do. For Italy, meanwhile, problems. They have now slipped back to third in the group, three points behind Ukraine, their rivals for the second spot. Uh, they do still have a game in hand, though, Spalletti's side, and that's at home to, ooh, North Macedonia, gulp. Not them out. Who knocked them out yeah. in the playoff for the last World Cup, yeah. Italy will then face Ukraine in Leverkusen on the final match day, which is going to be an absolutely huge game, although the Azuri will definitely have a playoff spot if they need it. It's just that Italy playoffs... Mm. Anyway. There were moments where I thought Italy actually looked quite good and you oh. started to think, right, OK, this is looking... a long stretch, a, that first yeah, half. Yeah, a bit like a Spalletti side, actually. Yeah. yeah. As you say, early days for Spalletti, only his second set of internationals, but there were definite signs. They played bravely after, once they got over the first period there. They could have gone 2-0 up. I mean... Yeah, there were positives, but they and, have and to half, make sure you know, that goes into the next Half two. his team on the, on the naughty step because of their betting. Well, we'll come on to that in a second. Shenanigans, yeah. yeah. Anyway, also going through to the Euros this week, along with England, Germany, Spain, Scotland, France, Turkey, Belgium, Portugal, were Ralph Rangnick's Austria. Well done. And meanwhile, Netherlands have wrested back control of their qualifying chances, courtesy of a wonder win against Greece. The goal coming in the 93rd minute. A penalty converted by Virgil van Dijk. Tuesday, did you see San Marino, Denmark? Did you? San Marino. I saw the goal. Yeah. I saw San Marino goal, yeah. Oh. Fantastic. That's them finally scoring a goal. That's their first of this qualifying campaign. The last nation to uh, finally get on the score sheet. The sweeper, always good for a follow on the more niche footballing uh, markets. 
point out it was 335 days since they'd previously managed to put a ball into a net. That was against St Lucia. But in terms of competitive goals, it's uh, seven, 773 days since they'd scored a goal. Anyway, well done to them. They lost 2-1, but that's still probably one of their greatest results ever against Denmark anyway. Mm. Speaking of internationals, meanwhile, World Cup qualifying going on over in South America. And Charlie, what happened to Brazil after their 1-1 home draw with Venezuela? They lost 2-0. To Uruguay. To Uruguay, yeah. And Darwin Nunez scoring. But yeah, big story was Neymar has uh, done his ACL. Real shame for him and for Brazil mm. uh, and um, you know for his team and the whole Saudi league. I'm sure people will be devastated for them. But no, it's, it's a real blow for him. And obviously there have been a lot of these ACL injuries over the last few months and you know, he becomes back strong. I mean, he he has played so much football. I mean, he you know, by a young age, he you know, he just started so young and has been uh playing so consistently, has had a lot of injuries. Um but yeah. He's thirty one years of age, Neymar. Don't know why I throw that in. No, it's it's weird. Right. It's kind of hard to age Neymar, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Thirty one, yeah. Get well soon, Neymar. Next up. Let's round up the other Premier League action and also talk a little bit about that whole betting inquiry story that Benji was touching on. Hello there, Ayo here. Listen to me on the Athletic Football Podcast, where we go deep on the biggest stories in the game, providing insights and analysis from the very best journalists in the business. You won't get this anywhere else. Available now on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. Just search the Athletic Football Podcast now. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. So yeah, Italy lining up without Sandro Tonali on account of his inclusion in the ongoing inquiry into football players gambling on illicit online betting sites in Italy. You're not supposed to bet on your own sport. You're certainly not supposed to do it. The Italians get quite excited about this on illegal sites because they're worried about 
the crossover of organised crime uh, and football is involved. I, I thought it was mm. just that it was not as tra- they, they could do it. It's not as trackable as say, like you know, putting. Well, a I'm sure on that's part of it. But if you go back not very far in Italian football, you do get players who get involved in this kind of stuff and then get tapped up to influence. Okay, results. that makes sense because I, I, yeah. I, I thought they sounded incredibly tough and punitive about this. But if that's no, the kind of uh, the context, yeah. it makes a lot well, of so, sense. Well, so okay, so there were three players who were initially named by this guy Fabrizio Corona. Uh, who had... See the pap? He's the pap, who's previously done time for blackmail and has now got this gossip site. And he brought out these names, which he got off the uncle of a former inter-youth player. <laughs> wow. Um, and he says he's going to keep dropping them. But the first three out were Nicola Fagioli, who it turns out has got a real problem and had had borrow money off other players and agents and stuff uh, for his gambling debts. And he's going to be receiving a seven-month ban because it wasn't on football and he kind of collaborated. Zaniolo, who maintains that he may have used sites, he's not sure, but only for playing poker, may well be coming out of this okay. We, we're not sure. But Corona has now named a bunch of other names as well, including Steven Asharawi. Who played. Who played mm. uh, against England, who says this has got nothing to do with me. And yeah, he's not he's not under investigation at the moment. Uh, Zalewski at uh, Roma, Nicola Casale. There, there's a bunch of other names, and and Corona says he's going to come out with he's going to stop football. Basically, is what he's pledged. I mean, so people point out Newcastle under their club statement on mm. their website. Underneath it has their sponsors. There's Sportsbet.io, BetMGM, mm. Fun88. It's just how. Uh, and we saw this with Ivan Tony as well, mm. just how in bed with big betting companies football is. It's a big issue for the sport. And obviously we've seen with Tony and Tonali now and others. On the one hand, yes, we need to have a real look at how much money football is taking from betting companies and how they're ultimately promoting them. I think the footballer welfare issue is actually something different. You know, This is like very um, rich men with a lot of time on their hands. And they need to—they clearly need to be like seriously educated, and, and as to you know what you should not be doing, they need people around them who are looking out for the signs of addiction. Paul Merson actually, um, I think, tweeted really well about this. He was saying like, "All right, you know, if we take Tenali at his word and he's got a real addiction, you can't just tell him to you know man up and get over it. This is something that we've got to really pay attention to." And 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 so I think yeah, there there, there clearly is something there. But what I think will happen now is that we've got so many of these high-profile cases, mm. and I think they will serve their purpose even if they are scapegoating these players, to make everyone realise, you just can't do it. You will get caught. Mm. And I think that if that comes out of all of this, I think it'll be a really good thing. Yeah, but it also needs the clubs to be proactive about it as well, I think. I don't think the players themselves will necessarily just learn. the welfare point, totally. Yeah, and and I guess that's where maybe people question, it's like, how committed are clubs to these things? And does it weaken your message when you are taking a huge amount of money from these companies? You're right, it's not saying you have to go and do it, but I just wonder if subconsciously or on some level it weakens your message when you're saying oh you mustn't gamble but but you're saying this in front of a screen but gambling with huge is great. Gam- but gambling's great yeah, yeah just do it sort of in moderation which is the message but mm. it's mm. difficult all right uh the other benefit of gambling bans of course is or imminent gambling bans is when benji as you reference you get to hang on to a player who probably would have done one over the summer Hmm. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about West Ham? Should we save that for the end, and you can just go off on one? Let me just race through the other fixtures on the way this weekend. You've got uh, Gary O'Neill against the club that cruelly binned him off in the summer. Uh, Bournemouth Wolves. That is could could be the game that 
sees Bournemouth deciding to end the Andoniad Iraola experiment. Is Ooh. there are there hints of that? I don't know, but that would be. I'm sure Gary O'Neill would like that. Woof. Michael Cox, of course, argued that Gary O'Neill wasn't harshly dismissed oh. by Bournemouth. Okay. Uh, Sheffield United will be playing their first game at Bramwell Lane since they went 8-0 down there to Newcastle a month ago. This time they're up against Man United. Hey, this mm. is the fixture that produced the first ever Premier League goal. It ball. is. It is indeed. Who scored it? Brian Dean. Dean. You know, um, he scored two in that game. Scored the first of a p- penalty as well. Good Lord. Schmeichel assisted Mark Hughes. So United's first Premier League goal in that game was right. assisted by the goalkeeper. But yeah, it's... Um, Different times though. Very different times. I'm not sure anyone envisaged back in August '92 that you'd have to pay 1.3 billion pounds to get 25% of a team that couldn't beat Sheffield United. All right. What would 1.3? What was it? 1.3. 1.3 billion. One, one yeah, I'm doing. I'm actually writing a piece this week just to explain. Did you, Duncan? Well, I haven't done it yet, but it will be out at the weekend. Um, so don't give anyone else the idea. It's half done. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, 1.3 billion is is a big number. Yes. I don't think <laughs> people quite grasp how big that is. So. There's various, I'm not going to spoil the piece, but there's various comparisons in there, but it cost £12.50 to go to the game in 1992. Quite right. good. If you gave... So you basically have gone, he's paying £1.3 billion mm. for a quarter of Man United now, and Man United are playing in a game which in 1992 saw the first ever Premier League goal. Mm. The logical thing editorially would be to find out what would £1.3 have bought him yeah. back then. Yeah, Who yeah. commissioned that, Duncan? Uh, me. Self-commissioned. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. I just like billions. But um, yeah, if you gave someone... Is it adjusted for inflation? Well, you have to wait and see, but okay. I've done both Can because you not it us... throws up some quite good stuff. Everybody mm. uh, here, and I know you, listener as well, want to hear some mind-boggling Well, um, if you gave comparison. if you gave someone £12.50, a.k.a. the match entrance fee, yes. uh, every day yeah. for the rest of their life, yeah. to reach £1.3 you'd have to get to the 26th of March. From the 15th of August, 92, you'd have to get to the 26th of March... <laughs> 396 251. I'm not sure how they would have named how they say the years that far in the future, but right. I'm not sure where the Premier League's still going. That's a lot of years, yeah. But I'm sure the narrative's still what? running strong, that yeah. Day. yeah. More, right, Wh- when's that going to drop then? Saturday, okay, yeah. All right, do, in do the you, year so 3000, <laughs> in the year 2023. Uh, this is the first thing you've written this season, or no? Uh, it's been a few weeks, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of things, but yeah. Um, so what happens? Do you just you, you have an idea? And you think, oh, this one's too juicy to give Daniel. No, I would, to be myself. fair, someone else gave me this. Well, I suggested this idea, and then someone said, yeah, you should do that because it's yeah. Duncan yeah. Chapes, on esoteric, <clears throat> esoteric, <laughs> lovely stuff. Nottingham Forest, Luton. Do you know when they last met each other in the top flight at the city ground? Same season, Benji. It was no, it must have been the season. Oh no, it's the season before. Absolutely right. Sorry, it was the same year. Same year. Same yeah. year. Well, so it was January the first, nineteen ninety-two. I fancy Luton in this game. Mm. Oh yeah. Two interesting little player stats in terms of key passes mm. after uh, James Madison mm. and Bruno Fernandez. Third on the list of key passes by midfielders is Alfie Doughty. He of the terrible, terrible haircut. I think that's the right. He's, yeah, he's their yeah, left yeah. winger, right? And he's got like yeah. a, he's got one of those mullets that where basically he's just got an, a, a normal haircut and he's just taken out like the, a, a kind of ten centimeter circumference around the sideburn. Yeah, very mm. um, anyway, EFL that. Yeah, yeah, but he's, he's very quite, Australian. Or yeah, quite, it's very Aussie. Or very quite Aussie. Covid era haircut as well. Yeah. 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 
And it's just anyway, he's he's clearly playing well. And um, he was very good against Spurs, I have to say. In terms of the most chance, most tackles by any midfielder in the league is marvelous Nakamba. So like they their players are putting in a shift, and we sort of talked about it earlier. They're not conceding many, apart from the, the opening fixtures when they got walloped. They haven't been walloped since. You know? And no one believes this when you tell them, but they're not in the bottom three. Like, <laughs> right now, yeah, they're, not fourth, in the bottom they're fourth bottom. Yeah, yeah. Um, they won away at Everton, didn't they? In yeah. their last with, away with game. really good set pieces. They, I mean, I yeah. I think. They are going to stay up. And, and I, I, I actually enough. agree with Do you. Do you really? I think because they're more pragmatic than, say, like a, a Burnley. Where are they on the expected points table? Even higher, I think. Are they? Yeah, there you I go. Think so. um, I can we'll check on that. Let me just mention while you're looking that they there are... was something pretty remarkable about this game in 1992, January the 1st. It finished 1-1. Forest goal coming in the 93rd minute from Des Walker. Luton were looking good for yet another revival win until Des Walker burst through. This is first senior goal in 313 attempts. Happy New Year goal, Des. You'll never beat Des Walker. Yeah, and he will never score. He had gone 313 games his entire career without scoring a goal. So he scored that goal. His manager, Brian Clough, didn't even see it because he'd left, he'd left in disgust. He was so disappointed with his team performance, trailing 1-0 to Luton, that he, he went down the tunnel in the 89th minute, then learnt afterwards Des told him in the bath I hope it's the the first time Des wasn't a man for many public utterances but supposedly he told his manager in the in the you know in the bath after I hope it's the first of many but it wasn't Benji was it his only one yeah 658 games one goal it's like Steve Potts sorry Duncan and I were talking about the Potts family pre-game Duncan being uh, Freddie Potts super fan yeah, exactly. one yeah. goal wonders the other player that springs to mind when you think of this fixture is Kingsley Black he was played for both clubs oh. and just as I was idly thinking about Kingsley Black I looked at his Wikipedia page and it's got the classic Wikipedia apocryphal bit of information mm. which says Black also has a holiday home in Mallorca where he co-owns a small charcuterie selling cured local meats and sausages <laughs> Now, if you search for that phrase, it's been repeated many, many times across, you know, social media. But right. I there's no source for no that. Original if anyone has been to Kingsley Black's charcuterie, <laughs> wouldn't really be called a charcuterie <laughs> in uh, Mallorca, but um, please let us know. Wow. Uh, speaking of apocryphal stories from Wikipedia, I did enjoy the little vignette, Charlie, in your piece on Alejo Vélez. Oh, yes. Spurs. Yes. Uh, with, do you want to tell the story? Well, yeah. Is this, this true? This is not apocryphal. I mean, this okay. is from his coach at the time, uh-huh. from the reserve team at Rosario Central. And it was so well-timed because Valise made his Spurs debut in the Liverpool, the Spurs-Liverpool game, which obviously VAR dominated. And so started the piece by saying, you know, you think that was a controversy. So Valise, so they were playing in a game, they were winning 2-1. And one of the opposition strikers broke through through on goal, all defenders in his wake. And what Valise did was whistled as if he was the ref. Did a very convincing whistle. The striker stops and is like, you know, what's going on? Centre-back's going to get the ball. And uh, it's revealed that there was the refs there like, well, I didn't do anything. And it was Valise who had conjured up this amazing whistle. And as the, the coach takes up the story, says their coach lost it, protesting to the referee. Right. They missed out on the goal and we ended up winning 3-2. Th- that, that is a yellow card. You're not allowed to do that. He was nowhere near the play, but he did something that helped us win a tough game. It was audacious. The Lanus coach wanted to kill him. I can imagine. I bet he did. That is a yellow card. You're not allowed to, like... I think if you, like, shout... Well, player, yeah, any like, interruption. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you shout at a player? Defenders, uh, attacker comes yeah. towards a defender. Defender goes, ah! 
Like, yeah, that is a that's yeah. like card. But Wickham, Wickham got promoted to the championship through that method. So what? the, the win- ah! what a fake whistle! <laughs> no, the winning goal came from penalty, and the ball comes over the Oxford defenders, and someone obviously it was COVID time, so Wembley was pretty much empty. Ah. Whether someone shouted, "Leave it!" and he yeah, left exactly. It. Yeah, Bancho did that mm. uh, playing for Brescia against Juve. Mm. You want, um, there header. must have been an increase in it during but COVID. But leave it in mind, you're also not allowed to say. Are you not? No, I have been pulled up on this Even by, re- by very... player? You can't say it at all. Ah. It's uh, off-putting. You have to say something like over or put days. a name on it. What? Don't even say leave it. Yeah. What if you change your name to leave it? Well, we have had this discussion. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, that's, that my, that's my name. Right. But yeah. That's <laughs> Do you know that you can't splash a pedestrian with a puddle if you're in a car? You yeah. You can be charged for assault. I did know that, yeah. What? Yeah, if you drive past... And this happened to me accidentally the other day as if, I was walking. Oh, well, See so you in court? Yeah. <laughs> if you pass a, uh, a pedestrian and you drive through a puddle and it splashes the pedestrian, you can be charged for assault. Yellow card. Who thought of that? Well, a gremlin. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's, that's what gets them. Right. Oh, no, hold on. Isn't that just, what makes them you know, into with the, the, rain, the baddies? With the rain, just bear that, that makes in mind. This is when it happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, you're go. suggesting the Gremlins want ultimately yeah, they to like be the big. Kind of, they yeah. want to be the big evil yeah. version of themselves. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Brentford are taking on Burnley. Is it a relegation six-pointer? Brentford are uncomfortably close to the bottom, aren't they? They are currently well. They're currently three points off the drop zone, uh, but on a six-match winless run, they haven't uh, won at home since they beat Man City on the final day of last season. But they are taking on Burnley here. Let's see what happens. They have had some really bad injuries. I do have mm. a lot of sympathy with. Thomas Frank. Yeah, they're missing Raya as well. I don't think Flecken has stepped up. But they want. I mean, they bought Flecken in first. I mean, mm. They were proactive about that. Mm. I mean, obviously but he's they got knew the biggest Raya. negative expected goals for a goalkeeper. Right. Well, on the XG table, obviously there aren't going to be any draws on that. No, no, no. It's not done that simply. It is the matches are simulated based on the XG generated, so there can be draws on it. But is it not just who had the higher XG? No, 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 game? no, no, no. It's if your XG was five point three. And your XG was 1.1. You then simulate the, the game be, what, many times. No, no, no. You then oh. it, it's a simulated <laughs> model as well. Anyway, I mean, I don't work for many more, so it's fine. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, I just wonder yeah, how many dead, dead heats Sorry. there have been uh, mm. XG. Uh, there was one this season. Rare. And mm. I looked it up. I think there's it's like maybe five or six over the last 10 years. Mm. So, yeah. uh, Aston Villa are facing West Ham. Do you want to talk about West Ham, Benji? I uh, heard you on the Athletics uh, football podcast. Moonlighting, yeah. Uh, discussing the, the the kind of sell your best player, get better scenario that West Ham seem to find themselves in. It helps when you bring in the likes of James Ward-Prowse and potentially game-changing figures like Mohamed Kudus. Yeah, Um I think it's you can argue that we're better without Declan Rice. And actually, one of the one of the kind of like less obvious impacts is that by bringing in Edson Alvarez, we've got the renaissance of, of Thomas Suchek because David Moyes is completely addicted to Thomas Suchek. He played like every minute of every game last year in Europe, domestically, cups, Czech Republic, um, and his form dipped because he was just exhausted. And because Declan Rice was bombing forward a lot more mm. last year, Suchek was doing it on his own. Now he's got his mate Edson alongside him, and actually he's he, he's playing much better. He's scored some goals. Actually, both are kind of our checkmates, Suchek and Sufal are having really good seasons. Assist Su- king, Sufal. yeah. Sufal's got four in a row. Only ten players. Yeah. Only ten players have ever got five assists yeah. in a row in the Premier League. Sufal's got four. He's also I think the, the the defender that's made the most tackles in the league this year. So 
Yeah, they're, they're kind of going under the radar, both of them, having great seasons. You are currently one win off the top four. You're heading to Villa Park this weekend. You haven't lost there in your last five visits. You won the last three visits to the Villains. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, wicked. It's right. good, good, good. Olympiacos test. on Thursday as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Away. Early, yeah, in the early one. They're crap at the moment, though, I think. But still, now said that, it'll be a cauldron, mm. won't it? Just a little aside Maybe. on this game. Villa mm. West Ham always reminds me of David Unsworth leaving West Ham to go to Villa and then realising I don't want to live mm. in Birmingham I'm going to go back to Everton. Um, the reason I mention it is because Unsworth turned 50 this week. He is now, the, he's still the youngest player to play in a trophy winning game for Everton. But he's now in his 50s. Huh. Wow. So. Mm. Joey Beecham. Yeah. Mm. He did one of those as well. Went from... Oxford to West Ham decided he didn't like East London and immediately left mm. hmm. that was back in the day before there were tighter rules you know before transfer windows and how many moves you could do in a season <clears throat> and you did get more of those sort of wacky moves I always find it funny when a player goes like either goes somewhere or leaves somewhere because they like it like Craig Dawson left West Ham because he wanted to live in the Midlands that was the driving force not money not contracts it was because he wanted to live in the Midlands hmm that's always, and obviously Joey Beecham did not want to live in East London. Hmm. That's fine. I, I would have thought that enough kind of circumstances and money would make anyone kind of go anywhere, right? Apparently not. Saudi Pro League suggests you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Newcastle taking on, on an unrelated note, uh, Crystal Palace this weekend in a big Magpies-Eagles avian derby. Uh, <laughs> they met three times last season. Every single one of those encounters finished? Nil, nil. That's correct. Oh, Newcastle have got a big game coming up after this as well. Uh, they are going to be hosting Dortmund. Mm. What a group that is. Dortmund have got one point so far. Haven't scored a goal. Hmm. All right. And as previously mentioned, Monday the round concludes with table-topping Tottenham hosting Fulham. Table-topping Tottenham's boss is Ange Postacoglu, as you know. He's the manager of the month for September, which means he's, he's won that gong two months in a row. Two out of two. Two out of two, and that means that he's already halfway to matching Jose Mourinho's career haul mm. of Premier League Manager of the Month. Joking, what? He got four in total? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's weird. That's how, well, that's how he, right, <coughs> how he felt then. <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is a conspiracy, I'm sure of it. I'm with Jose on that one. That's mad. Yeah. I mean, I agree with August. Less so September. For, for Postcode, but who yeah. do you have given it to? Yeah, what, why September? We won every game it. but one, which was a draw. I'd probably give it Arteta. Yeah. All right. Beat City. Yeah. But that was in October. Oh, yeah. Scratch that. Mm. Ah, yeah, I've changed my mind. <laughs> well done, Big Ange. <laughs> Very nice. All the talking points from this weekend will be coming up in Sunday night's Totally Football Show, which will be with you early Monday morning. But that's it for today. What a shame. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Benji and Charlie and Duncan. Rachel and Charlie in the booth and you listener with your ears we'll miss them but hopefully we'll see them again on Monday morning have a great weekend with them and your other bits and uh, from all of us here it's goodbye you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network discover bonus video content by searching for the Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally The Athletic.